With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. Welcome to Off The Bench. Let's get it another Friday afternoon here on Off The Bench right around Western Australia. Paul Hayes will be the man who made this week his own back when he was playing football. Western Derby week. Western Derby 48 is coming up on Sunday afternoon. So much for us to get through. All of the team news. Paul Hazelby has some Western Derby stories. We've got all of the other sports news. Jared Schofield, who played in Western Derbies, and showdowns. He won a showdown medal. We'll have a chat to Scully about all of that. He knows about the two games in Adelaide and here in Perth. We've got the dig and much, much more. As I say, a big good afternoon to you, Paul Hazelby. It truly is your week. I don't know if it's my week. It's a massive week, isn't it, in the context of WA. Both teams like to come together and support their team. Western Derby 48, where do they all go? There's been so many great battles across the years. This one... I think it's probably the least amount of build-up that I've experienced in my time in Western Derbies. A lot to play for for the West Coast Eagles, for the Dockers. Very average last week against the Hawks. The build-up's been quite average. It has been a very uh, small build-up, hasn't it? Not a lot of chatter around town. I think that is because of the way that the Fremantle Dockers are going. Um, They've had a a really poor last four weeks or five weeks as it is now since they beat Carlton and absolutely thumped them. They've been very, very poor. Whereas I think in previous years we've had both of our teams really up and about. I mean, obviously not last year or the year before that with Freo, but we had a period there where both teams were, were up the top end of the ladder and the Derbies had a lot at stake. Could be wet on the weekend too. I think that brings Fremantle into it. The ball movement doesn't become an issue. It becomes about will and hunger to win the football. So let's hope they can put in a good show. But I think the West Coast Eagles, too much to play for and are too good at the moment. I love the Western Derby and the rivalry it brings. It's the only chance we really get to uh, experience the tribalism in football here in the West, like they get in Melbourne when Collingwood take on Richmond or Hawthorne take on Essendon, and it's the suburbs against each other. I remember growing up, Paul, uh, we had a standing bet with our neighbours that uh, if one team won, the other uh, family would have to buy them some ice cream. And it was in the days before social media. They would watch games back on replay, and... uh, I would know the result, and sometimes being a cheeky little bugger, I'd go and knock on their window while they're watching the game and just uh, motion to be eating an ice cream. So Very clever, Ben. I like that. Mm. Let's start with our big callers we like to here on Off the Bench right around WA. My big call is the Sydney Swans bouncing back into contention. They take on Collingwood. A few injury concerns there. Everybody's riding off the Swans, but they have pulled a good move. Alex Johnson back in after missing almost six years of footy. He comes back in. A masterstroke from the coach. I think they'll respond to be high octane. A lot of emotion there on Saturday night, and I just can see it right now. Everybody getting around Johnson and welcoming him back when they win the game against Collingwood. Uh, Paul Hazelby, do you remember my big call from last week? I do. 
North Nor- Melbourne to beat the West Coast Eagles. You just, weren't fully confident with no, it. No, I was. It worked out. I was, and uh, I just want a little pat on the back. This is my big call, and it is very different to yours. I'm going for the Sydney Swans to not make the finals for the first time in a decade. Their run home is very, very difficult. They've got Collingwood, uh, then Melbourne, then GWS, and then Hawthorne. I think there is a real chance that for the first time in the past 10 years, we don't see the red and whites, the bloods, in September. Do you agree with me? Oh, I picked them to win this week. It's a tough run, isn't it? I don't think they will make the finals looking at that, but I think they will get up for this week. Every team has one good performance in them, and I think this is it for the Swans. It is the round of the comeback, and we'll discuss that a little bit later on here on Off the Bench. But coming up next, we'll have all of the team news. In fact, we'll probably discuss it next here on Off the Bench with Paul Hazelby, the four-time Glendinning medalist here on Off the Bench right around WA. You're listening to Off the Bench. And it's the week of the comeback in the AFL this week. Paul Hazelby, the four-time Ross Glendinning medalist, joining myself, Ben Cameron, here on Off the Bench. Alex Johnson. Oh, what a story. After over 2,000 days without playing a senior game of footy, is back in the AFL. The last time he ran around on an AFL ground was the 2012 AFL Grand Final, which the Sydney Swans won over Hawthorne. It's hard to believe that since the last time Alex Johnson was on an AFL footy field, there have been kids born that are now at school. So a story of great persistence after five knee recons, uh, countless surgeries on the knee, including infections and everything that goes along with it, to get back out there. All I think is how many times he's been on the grinder. And I don't know if you've oh, been in I hate rehab. The, the grinder. grinder is the worst thing you could possibly do in rehab. You sit there and obviously you just work your arms. He it's would kind have been of like bicycle pedals, years. but with your arms. And it's lonely. It's a dark place. I was there for one year with my knee reconstruction. He's done five. Well done to that man. The other one, Brody Smith from the Adelaide Crows, returns after his ACL. Good to see Brody Smith back out there. I reckon he is one of their most important players, and I reckon it was understated last year. I spent last year in South Australia covering uh, the Crows and Port Adelaide, and I thought it was significantly understated, the loss of Brody Smith from that qualifying final going into the grand final. He's the guy who gets it on halfback, is a beautiful kick of the footy, arguably one of the best in the competition, and changes the angles for them. They didn't have that. And on grand final day, they went long down the line time after time, and it hurt the Crows. It did. Good call. I reckon he's a great player. And the mental anguish he would have went mm. through because he's been a big part of that Adelaide Crows side and then not to get the opportunity to play in a grand final. It would have destroyed him. Great to see him back. And the other one's Nathan Freeman, who was uh, picked 10 in 2013, has since been traded in 2015 from Collingwood to the St Kilda Footy Club, has paid his own way to go over to uh, Healing Hands uh, over in, uh, Germany. in Germany to try and get his hamstrings right uh, because he's had so many issues with them. Finally, his body is ready to go, and he's going to make an AFL debut for St Kilda this weekend. So that is a feel-good story. He's had shoulders, he's had ankles, he's had countless hamstrings, and finally he gets his chance. Yeah, they've been calling for this for a while, St Kilda fans. They must rate him. They've seen him play at the VFL level. Pick 10, as you said in the past, but it's a long time to wait. So let's hope that's a good sign for somebody like Harley Burnell, who is going to miss a few more games with his calf. Yeah, hopefully Harley can get himself right as well. You broke the story earlier on in the week. Uh, Adam Schefter or Damian Barrett, like with your news-breaking ability, that he had re-injured that calf, but uh, not a severe one for Harley, which is good. 
good news. What about the teams for the Western Derby 48? Only squads at this stage, but uh, who's been included in the squads and who do you think will come in? Brendan Archie, Lewis Jetta, Liam Ryan and Luke Shuey into the squad for the West Coast Eagles. I believe three will play. Jetta, Ryan and Shuey will all play. Archie just misses out. And for the Dockers, Hayden Ballantyne, Mitchell Crowden, Brady Gray, Cam McCarthy, Matt Tabernard. I believe three will play from that list. Matt Tabernard definitely comes back in. I think they'll go with Cam McCarthy to give the two of them a chance to work together. And I expect Brady Gray to come in ahead of Hayden Ballantyne and Mitch Crowden. He's been toiling away in the waffle. He had a pretty good game last week. They need to find out mm. whether he can play. He's one of the selections that you get at the back end of the year where you put them in to see whether you, you believe they can make it at AFL level, isn't he? Absolutely. He's shown in the past he's a very good pressure player. He can kick the odd goal, but I think he needs to improve to another level if he is to get a spot on the list next year. Hopefully he can and uh, can play well in Western Derby 48. As we've made mention of throughout Off the Bench today, Paul Hayes will be made the Western Derby his own, and he's got some good stories about the early days at Fremantle, the early derbies. We'll hear from Adrian Fletcher as well, who told a couple of funny stories during the week, and reminisce on Western Derbies when we come back. You're listening to Off the Bench. Almost done here on Off the Bench on this Saturday morning. Paul Hazelby and myself, Ben Cameron. And some news during the week, Paul, that uh, Adrian Fletcher would be awarded the first retrospective Glendinning medal for his performance in a Western Derby. He's a funny man, a former teammate of yours. I know he's certainly one of your favourite former teammates, Paul Hazelby. And I love him. He's a, a very, very funny man. Like I said, he's the kind of bloke that I would love to sit down with and have a cold one and just uh, enjoy hearing his old stories. You would love him. He was my favourite teammate. He used to have this thing we called Fletcherisms, where he would just butcher the English English language like I just did. <laughs> so maybe I've got Hazisms. But a very funny man. Very good footballer as well. And you mentioned that he was the first recipient from a Fremantle perspective, not from a West Coast yeah, Eagles sorry. perspective. Uh, the first Fremantle retrospective Glendinning medal. Can you tell us one of the uh, Fletcherisms? Is there one that sticks in your mind? Well, we always used to have the issue of having too many people go to the contest. We used to call it bees to the honeypot, and it would be constantly referenced. And uh, Fletch came in, got us all together, and goes, boys, stop being honeypots. <laughs> honeypots. <laughs> honeypots. He just got a little bit stuck. But uh, he also spoke during the week about the Demolition Derby, which uh, both you and him were a part of. Uh, this is what he had to say. Have a listen. You did uh, experience the rivalry. We've got the big Western Derby coming up. Number 48 we're up to now, Fletchy. But tell us about the 2000 Western Derby, the infamous um, demolition derby. You played in it. You played well. Yeah. And also Dale kick it. And Clive Waterhouse kicked seven goals. Yeah, no, that, that, one, <laughs> that one goes viral on the, uh, the Google. Um, was one of the, the great um, tussles, or you could say fights, um, very volatile. Our coach at the start, Damien Drum, said, uh, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this on the air, but he said, anything goes today. It's um, it's a special day. We've got to get things done. And I think a few of the players took that too far. <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> once the fight started, it, it, it never ended. But um, to come from, I think it was 30 points down or 36 points down and uh, win by a point was a very special occasion. But uh, poor old Dale Kickett got eight weeks and I think Clem Michael took out a few and 
I think uh, Matilda ran into the umpire and knocked himself out. So it was a it was a funny day, but um, people always ask about that game, and uh, it's very tribal. We know it's tribal in Perth, and that's the that's the great thing about these derbies. So that was uh, Adrian Fletcher speaking during the week. Uh, is that true? Did Damien Drum say to you guys, anything goes today? Well, I'll give you the lead up to that game. We got beaten in round three by the Eagles by 117 points. Absolute belting it was, and it was an embarrassment to the Fremantle Dockers. The next morning, Damien Drum called us in. We had to start training at four o'clock. We went down to Port Beach in Fremantle. What, you just came straight from the Newport or something? No, not after an embarrassment, <laughs> embarrassing loss like that. And we had to swim out about 200 metres, was my recollection. And in we pitch had black? To, pitch black. We had to oh. wade with poles above our head, go down and do duck dives. I wouldn't have done while it. While your teammate had to swim in and then come back out, and you had to wait for him with the pole above your head. Oh. And given what we know now about sharks, and, you know, Port Beach and darkness down there. I can't believe we did it, but that's the nature of what you did back in the day with footy clubs. We've spoken a lot about the Gold Coast camp Mm. for the Adelaide Crows. Well, you just did what you were told, and it was SAS style. That was very hard. Then we went back to the footy club and had our normal training day, and we had to come back at 9pm that night, and we had to do more SAS stuff. We had to walk up to Monument Hill and then crawl up that hill for two hours. My memories of that was it stunk because there was dog turds that we just couldn't (laughs) see. We are crawling over these dog turds. We we finished at 11 o'clock that night. That was our penalty for losing by 117 points. And then you turned it around later in the season. It makes sense. There you have it. Who says uh, physical punishment does not work? And then he said to us before the game, he said, boys, if it's your go to fight, if it's in your nature, whatever goes today, it's going to happen. We're going to win this game. And he did go on to win it, Paul. So there you have it. Uh, we'll come back with some other news in different codes from around the world of sport. You're listening to Off The Bench. Still a heap more to come here on Off The Bench, our Frio Focus and our Eagle Eyes. We look at both of our West Australian teams ahead of Western Derby 48. The dig, Jared Schofield, to join us as a man who played in both Western Derbies and Showdowns. He, in fact, once also won a Showdown medal. So we'll have a chat to Scoey about all of that. Joe Georgiades to chat a little bit of country footy as well. So some of your local sides will cover off on all of that, as well as our weighted tipping game. Paul, I know you've got some strong thoughts on Tom Lynch's departure from the Gold Coast Suns, and I'm not sure we necessarily agree on that, so we may go head-to-head a little bit later on. But right now, I want to talk some golf. Uh, Just quickly, Australia's Minji Lee and WA's own Minji Lee has a one-stroke lead at the Women's British Open, a 7-under par 65 in her opening uh, round. So the world number eight with six birdies and an eagle three. So Minji Lee absolutely rolling at the Women's British Open. That will continue tonight and across the weekend. But the sad golfing story over the week has undoubtedly been Jared Lyle. Unfortunately, a third battle with cancer, and this time around, uh, the horrible, insidious disease that it is has uh, has got him. He's entered palliative care, and I think the overwhelming um, support that he's received speaks volumes to how we all view him and the way he's fought this disease, Hayes. I remember waking up three mornings ago and uh, reading the Facebook message that was put out from his wife, and I had tears running Mm. down my face because I've got two young kids and you put yourself in that situation. It's devastating. He's done so much. What a man to be able to come back from the leukaemia that he had in the past, but unfortunately he won't get through this one. But his memory will live on, and I think that's one positive that uh, we can take, and I think his family and his young girls can take going forward. 
the bravery with which he fought the disease and the smile that never left him and the true blue Aussie nature of him is outstanding. He's the kind of bloke who just finds a laugh in everything, the small pleasures in a beer with his mate. Or he's the kind of bloke you'd love to go to the beer with, uh, go to the pub with and have a beer with. Absolutely. And I think he had some messages from you know amazing people around the world. One of mm. them was The Rock, who mm. sent a message on Facebook to him. Uh, a great story. And... Um, you know, to come back from that sort of illness. And he was still planning to do it again only two months ago to come back and play golf in 2020 for the Australian Open. Unfortunately, that doesn't look like it will happen, but all the best to him and his family. Yeah, hopefully they're... uh, Well, we're certainly thinking of them during this tough time. Uh, The Hockey Roos, which is our women's hockey team, often confused with the Kookaburras, the men's team, uh, they've won through to the World Cup semi-finals after a dramatic uh, shootout with Argentina. They were down right throughout the penalties... uh, there was all sorts of drama. The Argentinian or Argentine goalkeeper tripped up one of our strikers as they tried to score, and eventually we went through to the semi, which will happen um, later on this weekend. They're getting through at the moment. They're not playing their best. They're not scoring too often. It was a nil-all draw, and then, as you said, went to penalties, and they got there. And wasn't it exciting, that last goal? It's just an amazing sport when you have the build-up to it to get through to the semifinals, where I think they play the Netherlands now, which won't be easy. They are the number one ranked side in the world, so I can't wait for that one. Yeah, they're generally pretty good with uh, hockey, uh, the Netherlands. Uh, plenty else going on in the world of sports. Uh, a lot of footy news as well. Daisy Pierce has uh, struck out at the gimmicky tournament, and that's what she's labelled it with AFLW with the fixtures released. So uh, a proposed plan for the 2019 women's season. Daisy, not too impressed. A lot more to come here on Off the Bench. The Frio Focus next with Paul Hazelby, the former Frio champion. You're listening to Off The Bench. And what a treat it is for me to get to work with the premier newsbreaker here in Western Australia, Damien Barrett-like on Monday night from Paul Hazelby, who dropped the news before anybody else that uh, Harley Bennell had suffered another setback with the calf injury. Now, it's since been confirmed by the Fremantle Dockers and revealed that it's not overly serious. He might only miss a couple of weeks. They're hoping, I think, only one, but albeit another setback for Harley Bennell. As we, we tuck into our Freo focus, Paul Hazelby, it is another setback. It is another setback. There's no way he's going to play an AFL game this year, given the setback. It'll be more than two weeks, I believe, and um, he needs to put together some good form and a period of time in the waffle to warrant coming back into the AFL side. I would give him another contract, though. He's good enough to persist with. Give him another preseason. It doesn't have to be a big one either. It can be a a rookie list spot. It could be a rookie list spot. It is better than some of the other options out there at the moment. But they've got a big task, the Fremantle Dockers. They take on the West Coast Eagles. Won't be easy. They brought in a couple of players back into the squad. Matt Tabernard, the biggest one for mine. That is huge news. He's just, I think he's a, a nearly an A-grader in the competition. He was about to embark on his best season. I believe he was going to kick 40 goals. Would have straightened things up for the Fremantle Dockers. They have missed him so much. It was. It's cruel. I was going to say funny. It's not funny. It's cruel in the sense that... He spent so long where he got so many hands to the ball and just couldn't quite clunk marks. All of a sudden, he started to, and then he got injured. Oh, it's a cruel game. And all the talk is about Fremantle and the lack of forwards. Well, he is a genuine forward, and uh, he would have made a big difference. He would have made Brennan Cox stronger. I look forward to seeing those two. And, and that's what often is overlooked when players get injured. It's the, the flow-on effect. Mm. All of a sudden, Cox gets the second defender. Cam McCarthy gets the third. He gets off the chain a little bit more, and it, it does trickle down, if you will. I'd like to throw them all in together this weekend. I hope McCarthy comes back in. Throw 
even Ballantyne, even Gray, just so that they do have a forward line. But for mine, it's the midfield that needs to lift. They're the ones that are getting it easier at the moment because they're giving away a lot of inside 50s against. They need to start winning the ball. We know Sandlands is not there. Nat Fife's not there. But there's still some well-credentialed midfielders. David Mundy was outstanding last week. Lockie Neal. But some of these other players need to lift to give themselves a chance in their own forward line. Going in 35 times a game is not going to win you many games of footy, Ben. No, it's not. How do they win on the weekend, Paul? If there's one thing we look at, what is it to see if the Freo Dockers can get a win? Look, I just can't see them beating the West Coast Eagles. There's too much to play for for the West Coast Eagles, and their style and system is very good. The Dockers' best hope is it's pretty wet, and it becomes a game of territory and meterage and just winning the hard ball, getting in there, getting it on your boot, into your forward line, and you've got to scrap goals. That takes away the really good ball movement that I've been impressed with from the West Coast Eagles. So that's the challenge for them, to make it a bit of a dogfight, which Western Derbies will be. I think they'll come out of the gates because they were embarrassed last week, but I think as it goes on, there's too much to play for for the West Coast Eagles. I do think that their uh, wins is maybe flattering them a little bit this season, the Freo Dockers. Their form over the past five weeks, like I mentioned earlier on, has been pretty atrocious since they beat Carlton. I think I, I was doing the stats... Uh, yesterday in preparation uh, for the game on the weekend, and I think they've only won something like three quarters since that game. It mirrors their season last year, Ben. If you look at what happened last year, they lost their two first games in very average fashion. Then they got it together, but the back end of their season was miserable, and it is again this year. As you said, they've lost a couple of key players, and it really tests their depth, and that's why I think they need to make sure they do the right things at the trade and draft table this year to get a squad together that's got depth ready to play so that they can have a good season. We'll look at the West Coast Eagles a little bit later on here on Off the Bench, and the dig is coming up next on your Friday Arvo. You're listening to Off The Bench. And time to get digging here on Off The Bench style before you dig the essential first step. Paul Hazelby, who are you having a dig at today? I'm having a dig at Gil McLaughlin and the AFL. I can't believe what they're doing with the AFLW competition. This is a competition that they gave life to two seasons ago and it was a breath of fresh air. It was amazing to see this competition take off. Fast forward two years, they're now trying to eliminate the amount of games back to six. Now, they've introduced two more teams. That now takes it to ten, so I would assume it should be a nine-week competition, nine games. And I think everybody in the industry thought that was going to happen. To take it back to six just stinks in my mind because this is a competition they need to grow. We saw the figures come out in the AFL recently that they got to a million members. Well, guess where they have come from? A lot of them have been additions that have been based around women's football and you know showing the game to a different demographic and getting them involved. I just think it's going down the wrong path. They've launched AFLX. Get rid of AFLX. Get rid of AFL in China. Get rid of all this debate about rules and make this competition work. Put a big X alongside AFLX because it is a cross. It is no good. That's what I wanted to have a dig about, though. The AFL memberships, Paul Hazelby... 80,000 for the Adelaide Crows, 20,000 of them were dogs and cats and make-believe people. Is that and right? And AFL Audit has brought them down about 16,000. That is unbelievable. I, I mean, I don't understand the posturing and the grandstanding to make out like you've got 80,000 members if 20,000 of them are, are cats and dogs. So who's at fault here? Is this propaganda that's gone out from the AFL or the Adelaide Crows to try and make people think that the competition is going well or Adelaide Crows are going I well? I don't want to make it about the Adelaide Crows because I don't think they're Robinson Crusoe here. I think uh, a lot of clubs are doing this and they include things like cats and dogs. And I think you can sign up for free with different clubs just to say you're a member of the organisation 
participation and not actually be a paid-up member. So I think there is a degree of, um, like I said, propaganda to make themselves sound uh, powerful and imposing when really, I mean, it's not that much of an issue that you've got 60,000. That's a significant achievement in itself. Somebody always said to me, Ben, the truth is good enough in life, and that's what the AFL should do. I want to go back to Gil McLaughlin and have a second dig. (laughs) He then got on radio this morning and tried to compare the competition of the women's with six games to the World Cup. He said, the World Cup goes for four weeks. You wouldn't call that a Mickey Mouse competition. No, Gil. The World Cup doesn't go for four weeks. It goes for four years mm. with all the build-up. It's the World Cup finals that goes for four weeks. Now, if the AFLW finals went for four weeks, that would be a step in the right direction. And you also wanted to have a dig at the Gold Coast Suns, didn't you, about the departure of Tom Lynch? No, not the Gold Coast Suns, the system. I feel for Tom Lynch at the moment. They've forced him to come out and decide on his future. Make He's a done that. Mm. Free agency entitles him to move around and take the best offer. He's done that. But they have have hauled him across the coals because they stripped the captaincy straight away. They said he can no longer hang around the group. Now, I don't think that's great for the AFL to do that. And going forward, what's that going to encourage, Ben? No player is going to want to come out and declare their hand before the end of the season. Why aren't the West Coast Eagles doing the same to Andrew Gaff right now? Because they're competing for a flag. I don't think it is an issue, though, Paul. He probably doesn't want to go back there. They're still going to help him with his rehab. He's come out and told them he won't have any further part in the football department. I don't think that really matters. So be it. He can stay at home in Seymour. He can live with his family, make his decision, and then get on with the rest of his life, having given eight years of good service to the Gold Coast Suns. I'm pretty happy with the process, really. You want players to come out mid-season and say they're leaving and then their but, club. Well, he's in an Why, what if Andrew well, Gaff in a, no, he's in right an interesting. Now. He's in an interesting situation because he's not going to play because he's injured. So he's just had surgery. So he's not going to play anymore. Why does he have to say it and Andrew Gaff doesn't? Well, he doesn't, but the Gold Coast Suns pressured him to make a decision because they know he's not going play anyway because he's injured. I, I don't believe that they should pressure him that much to make the decision. Don't dig yourself into a hole like Paul Hazelby. Lodge your free dial before you dig inquiry. First hour done here on Off the Bench. Heap more to come in the second. Jared Schofield to join us. Joe Georgiades and the weighted tipping game as well as much more. You're listening to Off the Bench. And we launch into the second hour here on Off the Bench. Great to have you with us, Paul Hazelby and myself, Ben Cameron. Jared Schofield to join us in this hour. We'll have a chat to him probably across a couple of segments about, uh, well, his time at Port Adelaide playing in showdowns and his time at both West Coast and Fremantle playing in Western Derbies. Joe Georgiades to talk to us about some of the local footy and uh, the weighted tipping game as well as some of the other things going on in the world of sport. But Paul Hazelby, we've done our Freo Focus. Time to take a look at the West Coast Eagles. And I want to start off with something. I found it a little bit strange that Sam Mitchell was on a publicity tour midweek while the West Coast Eagles were preparing for a game. Now, I know he's a fastidious, diligent preparer, but I thought that was a little bit bizarre. You don't often see assistant coaches who, might I add, work mightily hard. They code games relentlessly. Uh, They they barely stop for a break. That he was around doing a lot of media over uh, Wednesday and Thursday while the team was getting ready for a Western Derby. And in the same week, Ben, Mm. to add to it, he said that he won't be at the West Coast Eagles going Mm. forward. He's going to go back to a Melbourne team and begin coaching over there. It is a bit strange, but I think clubs are now well-resourced to be able to cover that for a period of time. And they're doing the right thing by Sam Mitchell. Maybe not for the club. Just a couple of quick, cynical views here. Was that... That released uh, to coincide with his book. It makes 
history interest, would tell you, yes. The in, it makes the interest in speaking to him a lot greater, albeit he handled those questions quite awkwardly and, and didn't really want to talk about it, which makes me wonder whether it was or it wasn't, because perhaps it wasn't given he was so awkward about it. But the other thing that I was thinking about overnight, Brett Rutten no longer at the Hawthorne Football Club, does that open up a pretty nice little spot for Sam Mitchell to go home to the Hawthorne Footy Club? Oh, regardless of whether Brett Ratton was there, I think the opportunity is there for him to go back to the Hawthorne Football Club, but he's got to decide if that's the right thing to do for it's him. Good to go external, isn't it? I think it is. To go and experience another coach, get a bit more from them, take their intellectual property and use that in your own coaching career. If he goes back to Alistair Clarkson, that's all he's really got, and Adam Simpson, I think he should broaden his horizons. But going to Brett Ratton, that's the big one for mine. I believe he should be be a senior coach. He's got a 50% win-loss ratio from his time at Carlton. Now tell me who's got that sort of ratio if you had a coach at Carlton through that period. He was the one coach that actually got them having some success and into the finals. But I get the sense a club like St Kilda are making a play for Brett Ratton to offer him something big, like Richmond did with Lepich, like Collingwood did with Justin Longmuir, to put some support around Alan Richardson, because Richardson himself is going at 33%, Ben. Yeah, that's a good move if St Kilda are doing that, and I think they've got some good people in key positions who are wise enough to make such plays. At the West Coast Eagles, Hayes, let's look at them. I think last week we maybe saw the first instance in which they missed Nick Natnui. Yeah, forget last week. I think, yes, they did miss Nat Nui because there's going to be times when the Ruckman can't come up against the best in the competition, like Goldstein, like Gorn, like Brody Grundy. They may not be able to beat them for long periods in the game. And they got smacked at contested ball. That led to a smacking in inside 50s. I think it was an aberration. They will come back this week bigger and better. And without Josh Kennedy, that's the only concern for me going into finals. They need to get him back fully fit and firing. I do want to make a comment about Brad Shepard playing. Game 150, what a player he's turned out to be. Very consistent, reliable. He's not All-Australian, but he's in the conversation of an All-Australian squad member. He was their best player in the final series when they went to the 2015 Grand Final. He was very good, and uh, there were some players who struggled on Grand Final Day. He was admirable at the very least. Uh, He will often be remembered as well, unfortunately for him, as being taken at pick seven when Nat Fife was taken at pick 20, but he's become a really, really good player, Brad Shepard. Jared Schofield, uh, the Subiaco Lions coach and uh, former Port Adelaide, West Coast Eagle and Fremantle Docker to join us next. You're listening to Off The Bench. You certainly are for this Friday afternoon, and I thought, Paul Hazelby, we should speak to someone, given how big this weekend is with a showdown and a Western Derby, who has played in both fixtures. And uh, this man knows a thing or two about both. He won a showdown medal. He played for both the Fremantle Dockers and the West Coast Eagles, as well as Port Adelaide, of course. He's now the coach of the Subiaco Lions in the WAFL. His name is Jared Schofield, and he joins us here on Off the Bench. G'day, Scoey. Hey guys, how are we? Very well, thank you. How do the two compare or differ, I guess, playing in a showdown and a Western Derby? Yeah, well, well the Derbies, you know, they're obviously the big games. And uh, in the early days, you know, it was obviously a little bit one-sided and obviously it was well-documented. But, you know, as uh, as it obviously years have gone on, doesn't matter where you are on the ladder in the Derby, they're always going to be a cracker of a game now. And, yeah, look, the showdowns, my, my experience is... When I was at Port Adelaide, uh, they were unbelievable games. And, you know, if I was to compare the two, even when I was playing, showdowns were far bigger than the derbies. But 
things have changed now. And uh, when I was playing the Derby, I was a little bit younger and probably a bit naive to the hype of it. But uh, they're, they're both great games for uh, each state and their finals-like atmospheres. Scoey, what are your recollections of the day that you won the showdown medal? Uh, well, I know I wasn't getting a kick in the first half, that's for sure, um, personally. And then uh, I got a bit of a rocket from from uh, Choco at the time, Mark Williams, and uh, yeah, came out and uh, had a big second half and I was fortunate enough to win it. But it was just one of those memorable games where I don't think we were playing too well and we come from behind and, yeah, we ended up getting a great win. But I know with the showdowns, you know, whether you played well, um, you, know, you always wanted to play well in the games, but if you didn't and then you lost, you didn't go out for a week, and that is a true story. Like It was just ruthless. The supporters, not only your own supporters, um, but the Adelaide Crows supporters, uh, yeah, if you went to a local shopping mall, you, you got the odd uh, job and a uh, little critique on your game and, um, you know, from, from supporters from the other side. I'd be interested to hear the impact that you think uh, Mark Williams has had on your coaching career, Scoey, because uh, it seems as though he's been able to produce a few. I mean, Stuart Jew, I know that uh, Josh Carr's going reasonably well over in the SANFL, and you're obviously coaching in the WAFL. So he's a little bit of a mystery to me, Choco, but he's been able to produce a number of really good uh, senior coaches. Yeah, he's had a massive imprint on, on, on how I've gone about my coaching. Uh, yeah, he, he had his way. He was very old school back when I crossed over at the end of 98 and you know, definitely evolved as a coach over the six years that I was there. And you know, he's a fantastic mentor. And you know, at first, I found it hard to um, adapt to his coaching style um, as a player. But over the six years, it definitely molded and, and changed my career and my outlook on football. And it's definitely molded how I coach now. But when I was there, you know, there was other coaches um, that really had um, a major effect on, I think, all players that came out of um, uh, the Port Adelaide football team at that time. You know, the late Dean Bailey and, and Philip Walsh, and then you've got, you know, the current Alistair Clarkson, you know, coaching Hawthorne. So we had some wonderful coaches then, and we were very fortunate when you look back on it. Scoey, what about your own future? Do you harbour ambitions to go back into the AFL as a coach at some stage? It's definitely something that I've um, been talking to my family and um, and people close to me over the course of the last sort of eight or nine months since this season started. So it's definitely something I'm looking at, and you know I'm not going to shy away from that now. You know, probably two to three years ago it wasn't on the radar. Now you know we're definitely thinking about it as one as one of many options um, for my future. And yeah, we'll see what happens. But you know, at the moment, my focus obviously is purely on uh, hopefully winning a flag with Subiaco, and we'll, and we'll go from there. Jared Schofield joining us here on Off the Bench. We'll get to a quick break and come back with more from the uh, former Docker Eagle and power player. You're listening to Off the Bench. And Jared Schofield's been good enough to stick around and continue our chat with us here on Off the Bench. And, uh, Scoey, uh, what about the West Coast Eagles, one of your former sides along with the Dockers? How have you seen what they've been able to do this year? Oh, it's fantastic to see, you know, West Coast really climb up the ladder and, and, and come through. Their senior players, you know, that have really stepped up. You know, guys like Lacroix and Madison have had fantastic years. And, and then, you know, you look at the... The younger players that have come into the side, you know, you know your, your Riolis and your Liam Ryans to add that bit of X factor. But the other younger players that they've given opportunity to really sort of um, re-energise, you know, the more experienced players and everything's come together and they're playing some fantastic footy and it's a credit to uh, obviously Simo and uh, all the coaching staff and what they've done because it was a big call to obviously bring so many debutants into a, into a side early on and it's definitely worked for them. So they've had a really good year and set up, um, hopefully will be a good final series for them. 
Scoey, what about your team, Subiaco? They're staring down the barrel of maybe an undefeated season. You nearly, well, you got there on the weekend only by three points. Do you feel the pressure of that undefeated season? No, we don't. Uh, and you know, we, and look, we'd be stupid not to discuss it um, as, as a coaching group and, and as a leadership group. We've already discussed um, the, the external expectation that, that uh, people might have on us. But in between, you know, inside our four walls, uh, we're, we're just, yeah, we really focus on week to week. I know it's the old cliche, but like we do focus from week to week. And, you know, last week, you know, we didn't play great footy and, and full credit to Claremont. They played a good brand of football and we just showed that, you know, we're like any other side that if, if you're slightly off your game, you can be vulnerable, you can be exposed. But the thing that I was really pleased with last week is that that resilience to just keep fighting when we were down by three goals going, you know, to halfway through the fourth quarter. Um, we, you know, some of our younger players really stepped up and kicked some clutch goals. In you know, you know, Thomas Edwin Baldwin, who's only in his second or third game of football. Rowan Powell, you know, he's probably only played about 25 games. Kicked some really good goals, you know, in that fourth quarter to get us a win, and we kicked straight. Um, and I always say, you know, that when you don't kick well on goals, it's poor football. And at the end of the day, we're able to find a real positive out of the game by kicking straight. But just our resilience to hang in there. And, you know, these are the things that will hold us in good stead. And, Scoey, your young fella, uh, Taj, is going along pretty well. He's played in the uh, the state 16s and played well from all accounts. And uh, he's also been running around in the Colts for Subiaco. So how's he tracking in your eyes as a, a proud dad watching their young lad have a kick? Yeah, look, he's going really well. You know, he's had a big sort of, you know, 18 months, you know, starting with state 15s and all Australian um, selections. And this year, you know, yeah, he was fortunate enough to be uh, made one of the three captains with the state 16s. And unfortunately for those boys, they just fell short uh, in winning the championships. He played well, got acknowledged for that and, and made all Australian again. So look, he's, and he was one of six that got picked from Dover. So the football obviously bright for the young fellas, but you know, look, he, he's tracking along really well. You know, he's 15 years of age and he's playing Colts. So, you know, I think that says a lot about just his own dedication and commit to, commitment to want to play football. You know, as a, as a father, I can't be any prouder of, you know, the work that he does behind the scenes to be the best he can be. And some people might think I could be that um, father that could always put a lot more pressure because I'm a senior coach. I'm very confident the coaches that he's had in Tony McHale and, and Bo Waterman this year have had a major um, input into his um, development as, as, as a young man and, and young footballer. So... I tend to sort of stand back from that. and uh, But, yeah, look, I'm super proud. And, yeah, hopefully he's on a journey to um, reach his uh, dreams and aspirations to one day become an AFL footballer. Jared, really appreciate your time here on Off the Bench. Thanks for having a chat to us. No worries, Ben. Thanks, Hayes. Jared Schofield joining us here on Off the Bench. More to come after a little bit of a spell. You're listening to Off the Bench. Great to catch up with Jared Schofield, the former Docker Eagle and uh, Port Adelaide player and now Subiaco Lions coach. Had a phenomenal record for a while, Jared Schofield, Hayes. He, I think he'd been involved in 10 grand finals and won them all from uh, his time uh, at Port Adelaide. Then the uh, then Subiaco and the Waffle, then Claremont in the WAFL and then Subiaco as a coach in the WAFL. So uh, he knows a thing or two about winning. But you've got something for us. Yeah, look, I heard a, a comment from Mark McClure 
He was on the same track as me. I think the AFL's got some big issues, particularly with what we've seen with West Perth. We've seen it in Tasmania. We're seeing it now with the AFLW competition and all the local leagues around Australia. I think it's time for them to make a change. I believe, Ben, they're spending way too much money on coaches within the AFL industry. Why do we need to spend $10 million on a coaching department? Why do we have 12 coaches? Why do we have five phys editors? Why do we have all these physios? If you have all of that spend, that's a lot of money, isn't it, to go back mm. to all the other levels in the competition? Because you know what? It doesn't make them any better. Is footy any better than it was five years ago, ten years before it came fully professional? Is no, rehab and fitness well, of the player any better? Well, I think they're clearly fitter and stronger. But I, more to your point, I don't think their skills are better. No. So, I'm not sure all of the coaching's helping. All it's doing is helping set up all of their defensive processes, which is what's making the game all of the things we don't like. Exactly. So we're wasting the money, aren't we? Because mm. it's all going to all these coaches. And but what don't... are the guys going to do if they don't have a job doing that? Well, then this is what happens. I think that's the point. You go to a list of 35 for each AFL club. So there's no need for all these development coaches. That should be just done by the coaches. If you go to a list of 35, then that means that a lot of players are going back into the state league competitions, which strengthens that. The money that you save on coaches, you can put back into those competitions as well. So let's say it's $50 million. Use that to spend in Tasmania, to spend in the Waffle, to help West Perth out, to help grow the game of AFLW. Strengthen all of those. Also, if you do go to 35 on the list, it means that at some point in time, those AFL clubs might need to source a player or two from the lower competitions throughout the season. I think that's a good thing because now that you've got all these resources back there, those players will be ready to come in and have an impact at AFL level. The other thing it will do, Ben, if you've got only 35 spots on the list, how many 18-year-olds are you going to put on your list? It's a big risk to take 18-year-olds. I think this will solve the problem. More mature-age players will be recruited into the competition. More 18, 19-year-olds won't get drafted, which is great because they go back into the lower tiers of the state leagues, which strengthens them. I think it's a no-brainer. The AFL should act on this one. I tend to agree with you, Hayes. I can't add too much to that, and I enjoyed your passion in delivering that message as well. Uh, Some interesting stuff going on in some of the round ball sports as well. Uh, The Perth Glory and the Wildcats building up. The Wildcats have now finished, uh, well, their roster. Tariko White, the latest addition to their team, so he'll complete uh, their roster. The Perth Glory, it looks as though they've completed their squad. They may still be able able to add uh, one more player, but uh, they're just going to wait and see how they sit with the salary cap and perhaps how much money they're allowed to spend, how much uh, or how deep Tony Sage can dip into his pockets to get the uh, the team ready to go for the upcoming season. The EPL starts next weekend, can you believe it? I mean, it just comes around so mm. quickly, the EPL, and uh, the basketball is rolling on as well. LeBron James getting ready to don the... Uh, golden purple of the LA Lakers and lots of other movement around the competition. And the cricket not too far away as well. We spoke to Jason Berendorf throughout the week. It was interesting to speak to him about his comeback and his injury concerns that he was going to focus on white ball cricket and I think this is a trend. A lot of those injured bowlers will focus on that part of the game to get the big payday in the future. Yeah, maybe something that we see continuing. Uh, Up next, Joe Giorgiardi's to talk some local country footy. You're listening to Off The Bench. And something we'll look to do at around about this time each and every week, if we can, Paul Hayes, we just take a look at some of the local football from around the southwest. And the absolute guru, the man who is across it all, is Joe Giorgiardi's, and he joins us here on Off the Bench. Welcome, Joe. 
that's a bit dangerous calling me the guru, guys. I'm, uh, I look after 25 leagues around the state, so I'm definitely not the guru of the southwest. But um, yeah, happy to give you guys as much information as I know. But there's probably better people down there to talk about the local league. You're the oracle for us, Joe. So don't worry about it. You've had a busy day. You've been launching uh, books with David Park and about mental health in the country. Yeah, we've got a great partnership with the Regional Men's Health Initiative, um, and they've launched a new book, um, which is a great read for anyone um, that's got those sort of issues. And David Parkin, the great uh, former Carlton coach and Hawthorne player, he was over to launch the book today in Guildford, so it was a fantastic day. There was a big game over there in Adelaide on the weekend, the state-country game against South Australia, but couldn't quite get it done. Very close game. Yeah, the boys, it was up and down all day. We hit the lead in the last quarter, but very strong side, South Australia. They capitalised on a few little turnovers we made. But um, we look forward to hosting them potentially on Optus Oval next year. But um, we left we left the state with a bit of pride, but not the W, unfortunately. But our boys played really well. What about some of the better performers in that game? Um, well, you would know Rory O'Brien from Pinjarra. He um, was BOG, um, always plays well. Jesse Crichton down there, um, HBL player, uh, always plays well. You might have played a season or two yep. with him, yep. Um He's still running around well. Mitchie Andrews um, doesn't get off the ground too high, but he <laughs> he rucked pretty manfully um, as well. So there was a couple of Southwest boys there that played, played quite well. And as we head towards the finals in the southwest, who are the teams to beat? Well, I'm a bit surprised Collie. Collie's really dropped off. Uh, I tipped them earlier in the year, so a bit, bit surprised there. Donnybrook continues to win, so it's looking like they'll probably finish on top, and, and there's a fair advantage for doing that in the southwest. South Bunbury looking good, um, but they might may have lost one of their better players in Liam McKenna, who I think uh, has taken a job in Melbourne, so that's probably going to hurt them um, yeah, Kerry Park my old club, uh, they're a young side, don't have too many recruits but uh, yeah, they, they look like they've uh, got a bit of exciting footy in front of them as well So, but I, I think at this stage might be Donnybrook um, yeah, maybe Eaton there's a bit of there's, there's a bit of love, no love lost between those two teams so uh, yeah, if they make it to the grand final it'll certainly be an interesting one. Liam McKenna will be a big out, but Blaine Johnson also playing in the country now, former South from Allen, spent some time at Carlton, kicked a bag of 11. Yeah, it's, it's always good seeing the big names come back. Um, you might have played with him at South from Allen too, did you, Hayes? You've, coached you've him. Uh, played with a lot of these guys, coached mm. him. Um, yeah, and, and generally you find the first year back from the waffle, um, the guy should play really well. It's more in your third and fourth year once you've got on the uh, the, the wrong side of the diet that um, you know you not struggle to get a kick in the country. But the guys coming straight out of the waffle usually do pretty well. Joe, really appreciate your time here on Off the Bench. Thanks for having a chat to us. No worries at all, guys. Have a good night. You too. There is uh, Joe Georgiades joining us here on Off the Bench for all of the latest in some of the country footy action going on over the weekend. Now, Paul Hazelby's jumping up and down. He wants to tell the story again of when he kicked seven on debut playing seniors. But we won't go over that story again, Paul Hazelby, because we've got to wrap up the show next. You're listening to Off the Bench. Fantastic to have you with us, Paul Hazelby and myself, Ben Cameron, as we wrap it up here on Off the Bench on this Friday afternoon. Now, Paul Hazelby, 
what does your weekend look like? Are you up to much this weekend? I know you got the Derby Sunday. We're doing that game together, but the rest of the weekend, kick back, put the feet up. No, we've got the waffle game tomorrow. West Perth taking on South Fremantle, 2v3. Looking forward to that one. Always a lot of functions around the Western Derby, and when you're a four-time winner, you've got to go and do a lot of talks there, Ben. So we've got one at the Empire Bar. won't take the medals, no. You will, won't you? No, I won't take them. Why are you wearing them today? I'm not wearing them today. Yes, you are. You can hear them chinking. No, you can't. Four's a bit over the top to be wearing. You could have just worn one of them. That is true. But uh, looking forward to the Western Derby. Final tip from me, I think the West Coast Eagles, given the conditions, probably brings the margin back. I think they'll get there by 35. Geez, there is a... I I always forget his name, but there is a, a Brownlow medal winner, played for Fitzroy back in the day, who actually wears his Brownlow around. Like if he's going out on a Saturday night. Kevin Murray. Uh, Kevin Murray. It is Kevin Murray. He wears his, uh, his Brownlow medal around like it's a piece of jewellery. So good luck to him. I probably would if I'd won one as well. Uh, time to get stuck into the weighted tipping game. Five, four, three, two, one points assigned to your tip on your level of certainty. Now, uh, unfortunately for me, you've gone past me on the leaderboard. For the two weeks we've played, obviously the max score you can get is 15. So for two weeks, 30, you've got 25 out of 30. I've got 23 out of 30. I only got 12 of 15 last week. You got a perfect score of 15. Mm. I, I tipped the Gold Coast Suns to win with my How two points. How did you points. do that? Like, in all honesty, you never tip a bad team to mm. in this game. I just made a rookie error, didn't I? Mm. But uh, anyway, let's get stuck into this week. Uh, I'll start off with my five. I'm giving it to GWS to beat their reserve side in Carlton. Likewise, I give it to GWS. Where are you going with your four? I'm giving it to Melbourne, who are going to beat Gold Coast. Okay, I'm going for the West Coast Eagles to beat Fremantle in the Western Derby with my four. At number three, I've got West Coast to beat Fremantle. Well, we've alternated here. I'm going for Melbourne to beat the Suns with my three. And this is where it gets tough. At number two, I've gone with Richmond to beat Geelong, but it wouldn't surprise with an upset here. Uh, I've gone for North over the Brisbane Lions. At number one, I've gone for North over the mm. Brisbane Lions. And I've gone for Richmond so over Geelong. So we've all Geelong. got the same ones, but in different order. I'll tell you what it does do this game. The last two weeks, we both sat back and thought, gee whiz, there's a lot of 50-50 games coming up this weekend, and it feels like it again. Like, look through these fixtures. Richmond and Geelong, Hawthorne-Essendon, Brisbane North, Adelaide Port, St Kilda Dogs, uh, Sydney Collingwood, uh, Carlton and GWS is pretty one-way traffic, Melbourne and the Suns and the West Coast Eagles and Fremantle. Good luck tipping some of those. Absolutely. It's difficult, but that's why we love the game, and we've enjoyed your company today. We certainly have. Paul Hazelby, uh, you're at the Waffle tomorrow. You've got some functions, a few brown paper bag jobs, uh, no doubt, in the lead-up to Western Derby 48. You've said that the Eagles will be winning by about six goals, you reckon? That's it. Enjoy your weekend of sport. Hopefully you've enjoyed our company over the past two hours. It's been great to have you with us. Enjoy your local footy. Hopefully you play well over the weekend. All things going to plan. We'll be back next Friday to join you once again right around the southwest. Uh, we had a chat to Jared Schofield. Uh, Paul Hazelby told us some of his great Western Derby stories. If you've tuned in late, you can find the podcast on iTunes, Off the Bench WA. Catch up and keep up as we move forward throughout the remainder of the year. It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now.